Hey, this is Be Who Travels, the podcast. Hey, everybody. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is taking care of themselves, mind, body, and soul. And I, I thank you for joining me uh, on my podcast today. So later on, we're going to get into Guanacaste, Costa Rica. So for uh, you folks that haven't been to Costa Rica and that are interested in going, I have some of my own musings about my experience. I've actually been to the country twice. Uh, but anyway, we'll get into that later. Uh, but right now, I, I like to do kind of the, the introductive stuff where I get to talk about a whole host of travel-related matters. You may have heard me close the door. So we have a cat. We have a cat named Mateo. And oh, here he is. Uh, he's getting big now. He's about... I don't know, like eight, nine months old, and he's opening doors. Uh, it appears that he's opening doors. He's figured out uh, how to open doors, and he's getting around pretty okay. So uh, he's, oh yeah, he's, looks like Mateo is in the building. I feel him on my foot, actually. Yeah, that's him. Hey, you want to make your podcast debut? Yeah, he's, I think he wants like a belly rub right now. So anyway, we have Mr. Mateo, who's been uh, actually quite the, quite the well-traveled cat. <laughs> he's been to three places. He's been to three different places. So we got him in September. He's been to Montana. He's been to L.A. And he's been to Asheville, North Carolina. Uh Oh, sorry, buddy. So two, two of those trips were on the on a plane. Uh, we took a plane to get there, the Montana and the L.A. trip, and then the Asheville was in the car. So overall, he did pretty good. No, no real big issues. No accidents. Uh, no acting out, although I believe he reached his limit. I remember exactly where we were. We were in the Salt Lake Airport uh, getting on our second leg of our trip from Salt Lake to Atlanta. We were coming back from Montana over the Thanksgiving holidays, so we took him. And I think he may have reached his limit. It was a long day of travel. We had a red-eye flight. Uh, it was busy. There are lots of people around and he was a little he's a little bit stressed. You can see he was a little bit stressed. I don't know if that was the best idea. Hindsight 2020. Uh, I don't know if it was the best idea, but overall, we've been pretty satisfied with his behavior and him responding to uh, travel. Now, on the plane, he does he doesn't like being crated. He doesn't like being put in the. The, you know, the little carry doohickey thing. He, he don't like that. He's not really feeling that much. Uh, but, you know, he he deals with it. And we always get him out as soon as we can. So we, you know, leave the airport, go immediately to the hotel uh, and then get him all settled. So in a way, it's kind of like having a kid. You know, we have to prioritize his his needs his uh, emotional needs, uh, if you will. So yeah, he's actually he's actually out of the room. He's on to doing something else now. So anyway, uh, 
COVID. The COVID update. So COVID still around. It is. So this is actually my second time recording this podcast. I did a recording a couple of days ago and I didn't like it. So uh, here we are. Uh, but today is May, May the 7th, Friday, May the 7th. And COVID's still around. We are well over a year into the pandemic. And, you know, unless you're under a rock or you have made a decision not to watch the news, we're still in a pandemic. It's getting better. People are getting vaccinated, which is you know, creating an uptick in, in travel. You know, people have cabin fever and the streets are calling their name and, you know, people are starting to get out there and travel. Uh, now, you know, according to experts, the COVID numbers are still pretty high. They're not getting worse. And in fact, they're declining. But there is concern that the numbers are pretty high. There are new variants. So with new variants comes sort of new concerns about how to manage these variants and whether or not these vaccines will be effective against the new variants. And then the other concern is there's been a pretty sharp decline in demand for vaccines. So people so now everybody that kind of wants a vaccine has it or is about to get it. And the folks that are hellbent on not getting the vaccine are not getting it. And there are even some people that are like getting one shot, you know, for like the, the Pfizer and Moderna. They're getting the one shot and then they're not coming back from the second shot, which apparently isn't totally uncommon when it comes to vaccines that require multiple shots. But but yeah, so there's concern that if we don't get enough people to do the vaccine, then this thing's never going to go away. So it's always going to be something, you know, this uphill battle that we're trying to deal with. Uh, but we'll see how it plays out. Uh, President Biden has laid out some benchmarks with respect to getting back to normal you know, giving people guidance on when it's okay to start doing certain activities. But to me, it feels like the world is, well, not the world. I want to be clear that most of the United States is, is open. You know, I'm here in Georgia. You know, it's almost like <laughs> we've had the cure for the, the, uh, for Corona, um, it would seem that way, given the way a lot of people aren't wearing masks. And there's been, in my opinion, a pretty big uptick in people that are not wearing their masks, which is problematic. Even if you've been vaccinated, you know, it's still you, know, you can still transmit it to people and then somebody can get it that isn't vac vaccinated. Um, and they can get sick, you know, potentially die. And, you know, nobody wants that. That's that's that should be the, the the motivation behind wearing your mask. Even if you're vaccinated, think about other people. This is just a real exercise in thinking about other people. Yes, it sucks to wear the mask. It's inconvenient. I'm always forgetting the, the damn mask. 
You know, I don't I don't think anybody likes it. And I think we all can agree that we don't like it. But that's not the issue at hand here. The issue at hand is that we want to make sure that we have we're adhering to these protocols so we can protect other people. We can protect vulnerable people. And, you know, kids aren't able to get the vaccine yet. So that makes them particularly vulnerable. And, and you know, now that I brought it up, you know, the there, there are quite a few children, there's an increase in the percentage of children that are coming down with COVID uh, and younger people in general, which that really wasn't the case a while ago. So it's been pretty interesting throughout the pandemic. You've started to see how certain places were hotbeds for COVID and then they're not hotbeds anymore or certain groups, certain demographics were affected uh, a lot more than other groups. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been pretty uh, interesting, you know, you know, and I'm, I'm not trying to make light out of what's happening because this is awful. So this this is awful. There's there's no way to describe what has happened in the past year. It has been this really taxing year for a whole host of reasons outside of the pandemic but the pandemic in and of itself like it's awful people have died people had people have suffered people's lives have been irreversibly changed by what happened and then there are folks that have covid that or that had it and kind of thought, okay, you know, I'm done with it. I can move on. And they're dealing with like shit called like brain fog. And I know someone that has a child that contracted it and her walking is all messed up. She's having to get therapy. She's having to go to therapy to learn how to walk again. And they don't have any answers. Mateo, please. They don't have any answers as to, would you cut it out, Mateo? Um, They don't have any answers as to why this child is not able to walk. And there are other children that have been afflicted in a similar way. So this COVID thing, so the point that I'm making this COVID thing is real. And as many of us are starting to get the courage and feel comfortable with getting out, <clears throat> getting out there and travel, traveling, just, you know, be responsible, be mindful of uh, other people and how your behavior could have an adverse, adverse impact on someone else's life. You could potentially like kill somebody. I think that's just a way to bottom line it, <laughs> to be pretty blunt. So, yeah, so Europe apparently is opening up for vaccinated Americans. Um, there are a whole host of other countries that will be opening up. And I don't have my notes for those countries, but I do know that the, the big one was whether or not Europe would be open this summer for uh, travelers. And yes, they are, but you need to be vaccinated. So that could be... Uh, motivation for you folks that want to travel, that want to get to Europe, that are kind of iffy about the the vaccine. Um, now, I'm, you know, if you know me, I'm a huge proponent for it. And, you know, I don't want to shame people too bad for making the decision not to get it. But in my view, it's just not smart 
Um, and I question what people are relying on when it comes to making the decision not to do it. I mean, you've read a couple of articles online, which may or may not be credible, um, but yet we have trained clinicians that are out here doing the work. And I'm not sure why we wouldn't listen to them over just some sort of nonsense that you kind of saw on the internet. That's what it sounds like. Um, and, you know, I don't want to get into it because I've mentioned it before. I mean, I understand like there's historically why people are kind of skittish about it and things have happened in history and in particular things that happened to black people who have a lot of mistrust for uh, medicine. And those points are valid. I can understand it. But the question that I bring to those folks that, that use that for their reason for not getting it is that what would be the incentive to kill everybody or to give everybody vaccines that are kind of like half-assed? Like there's, it, it just wouldn't make sense that, you know, everybody gets something that's going to make you sick. Now, some people say, well, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. What are the long-term effects? But we also know how vaccines work, right? So this isn't the first time that you've had a vaccine. So essentially, vaccines create antibodies for whatever the the virus may be so that your body is like, oh, you know what? I know this. I know how to deal with this. So if I come encounter with this, then I can fight it. So the issue with COVID was that it didn't know how to fight it. And it now it does. We have a way to do that. So that's basically, and again, I've simplified it. <laughs> I mean, it was maybe a bit reductive of me to provide that analyst, but that's analysis, excuse me. But that's the best way that I know how to explain. I mean, it's, it's a vaccine. You've had vaccines before and you are all right. And yes, there are risks, but the risks are pretty minimal like very, 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 very small risk. So yes, it's true. You can take something and it could make you sick and it could potentially kill you, but it's unlikely that that's the case. So I just want people to think about that. Uh, but yet Europe is opening up Asia. Now, I don't know which countries in Asia are presently open there. There have been kind of like grand opening, grand closings going on throughout the pandemic. Uh, so they're a lot more apt, what I've noticed, the countries in Asia, which in my opinion, do a lot better at managing these type of things. Uh, they will close. They'll close in a minute. If those numbers are getting too high, they will shut it down. And then when the numbers get low enough, they'll open it back up. So, but anyway, the reason that we're talking about Asia is that there have been some phenomenal, unbelievable, unthinkable deals to Asia from the United States, from various cities in the U.S. I know I've heard a lot of good deals coming out of Charlotte. So what's, what's the hub? American is the hub in Charlotte. <clears throat> so yeah, so there, I mean like $250 round trip to go to Hong Kong. Come on now. You can't really find any airfare domestically that that's, I mean, that's a good deal 
to go places domestically, certain places domestically, if you ask me. But yeah, so Asia has uh, last week, like late, late April, I guess it was like last week or the week before. I can't remember. But yeah, I had a homeboy. He scooped up his wife and him a pair of tickets for like $500. Now, the tickets uh, and the dates for these are at the end of the year and next year. So we're not going to be doing any international travel this year, um, maybe next year. But I do think it might be safe to go, you know. So pay attention to Asia. The Asia deals, Tokyo, Hong Kong, Singapore, there have been some really fantastic deals um, and... You know, I don't think it's one of those error fairs, which, you know, you book it and then they're like, oops, are bad. Uh, we're going to send you your money back. These tickets aren't valid type of thing. I don't believe that's the case. I think these were like all legit. So, you know, I do tell everyone to keep a lookout uh, on deals, you know, make sure that you set your. uh what is it that I'm trying to say? When you go to these websites where you can book airline tickets, they'll have they'll have it where you can create settings so that you can inform it of the maximum price you're willing to pay to go to a particular place. And if, you know, that ever happens, if it ever finds a ticket for said price, then they'll send you an email and I've shared with you that I've done that on a couple of occasions and it, it paid off. You know, I really wanted to go to Mexico City some years back and I didn't want to pay a lot of money for it. And I was able to score a really good deal on American. Um, and it was actually I think I had put 250 as my limit and the ticket was maybe under 200 dollars. <throat> so, yeah, Asia. Keep your eyes on Asia. Now, I haven't brought this up in some time, but I I am a huge fan of 90 Day Fiance along with my wife. I think I put her onto the show. I'm not sure. And it's a travel related topic because we're talking about people who are going abroad to find love. American citizens, that's kind of like the the most straightforward version of the show american people who find love abroad and then they bring them to the u.s on a 90-day visa so the whole tension of the show is whether or not they're going to get married within the 90 days because if you don't on the the k visa <clears throat> it only gives you that amount of time uh, but if you don't do it then you know the person would be in jeopardy of overstaying and then that's a problem. Uh, but they would technically need to go back to their country. So that's the premise of the show. Now, they've really flipped it, smacked it up, flipped it and reversed it. There are 21 spinoffs. Yes, you heard me. 21 spinoffs. It's really the cash grab, the cash cow for the TLC network. Uh, if you see their programming, 
the 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 big chunk of it is 90 day fiance um and we've been following couples from this show some like one couple pedro and Chantel, who are from here in atlanta they've even had a spinoff you know they have the 90 day fiance in reverse where the person that's someone's falling in love with a person that lives out of the country right which is the premise of the straightforward one but the only difference is that the person is going to go leave the u.s and is going to go marry the person in their respective country so it's kind of like like i said a reverse of of the the original most straightforward version of 90 day fiance so yeah there are 21 spinoffs there's there's a new one there's a new spinoff where you've had some like veteran cast members who ended up getting divorced or not married to you know the person that uh isn't a u.s citizen and they're out dating so the whole point is about them dating Right. They're out trying to find somebody else and they aren't necessarily dating someone that isn't an American citizen. In fact, I don't think any of them are dating somebody that's not an American citizen, but they're dating. And this is on the Discovery app. So I know you all have seen it. The Discovery app, it's like five bucks a month. We got it. <clears throat> but it's this thing where you're seeing with like Paramount and BET Plus where you have to pay for access to certain shows that aren't available on the regular app. So, you know, they're always trying to finesse us in some way. You know, I'm convinced. But, you know, we, we you know, I have BET Plus and we have uh, we have BET Plus and we have this this. Uh, what is a discovery one that I'm talking about? So, yeah. So, yeah, that's you know, they got us. So it works. But I do. If you if you're looking for some mindless entertainment, I I highly recommend this for you. And you don't really get that. You don't have to pay attention. (laughs) You can, you know, be doing other things and you can keep up with it. Um, It's not something that's like the kind of walk, the kind of. doesn't require like your undivided attention, but it's good. It's good. Now I've noticed that the, the shows, the newer iteration of the shows, they seem to be a lot more scripted and even like not even believable. It's like, I don't, you know, you see some things. I heard Shonda Rhimes say this. She said that, you know, I'm in the process of writing a novel and she was like, you know, you can write anything. You can write anything, but it has to be believe it has to be emotionally authentic. And I think it has to like register in our minds on this this deep emotional level for us to buy the story. Like the story could be like ridiculous, but if there's something about it emotionally that resonates with us, that makes sense that seems possible, then, you know, we'll watch it. And that's that's the key. Because if you think about it, she wrote Scandal. And Scandal's wild. There's all kind of things that 
don't really happen in anyone's life that I know that seems totally believable in that world. So, you know, that this is a world that's not one um, I've ever lived in. <laughs> it's not my world, but it's someone else's world. And voyeuristically, it's it's fun to take a peek sometimes. So 90 Day Fiance, uh, it's on TLC. Like I said, it's 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 a good one. Now, I wanted to update everybody on me and what's going on in my life. I'm still working. I'm still working like a crazy person uh, doing podcasts. It's one forty five in the morning. Uh, so that that gives you an idea of of how busy things can be with me. But I believe that, you know, I'm not the, the famous travel podcaster yet. That hasn't happened yet. You know, I'm not Anthony Bourdain in it yet, but I'm doing it and I love doing it. It's it's very important to me to be able to take the time to put these podcasts together and to lead these kinds of discussions. And I was telling someone about it. And they're like, you can actually talk for like an hour about travel. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yes, actually. And and, you know, for you folks that have been following me for some time, you know, I could go even longer than an hour. Um, I mean, but that's not something that I'm boasting about because I think there's uh, there's value in brevity. Right. I think we can do things well. We can do things effective and we can do things quickly. Right. We don't have to do take a long time to do a podcast for it to be good. But I uh, I think I'm kind of like an hour podcast kind of brother. I just think that's kind of my sweet spot. I think that's what works for me. Um, but I'm trying to come up with new ideas, new ways to talk about travel, new ways to approach the podcast, um, which might involve doing shorter podcasts about very specific topics particularly like restaurants or maybe something in the news that relates to travel that I feel like is important and relevant. Um, so that might be a, a different, uh, the way that I might approach the podcast, doing the podcast differently. So, but yeah, I'm writing this novel, Obama Black. I'm probably about 40% done with the first draft. So I have a, a I have a long road ahead of me and I really wish I had like a chunk of time where I didn't have to go to work or <laughs> I didn't have to make money um to just sit down and write this thing. But I'm enjoying it. It's a blast. I'm not doing any coursework with UCLA right now. Um my I discussed it with someone I consider to be a mentor and advisor. And we both agree that it was best for me just to crank out this first draft because it's in me. It's in me. And I know that this is the time. I'm convinced that this is the time. So you got to do it. You know, it's it's just. It's high time to do it. I don't know how to phrase it any other way. Sometimes you just have to. You just got to do it. Don't don't talk about it. Don't tell other people about it, which you know, I'm doing it right now, but you just got to do it. 
And I'm, I'm spending a lot less time or a lot. There's a less of a desire to talk about what I'm doing, which I think is great. And there's there's more of a desire to actually do it <clears throat> to to, you know, make sure that I'm blocking off chunks of time to do it. So anyway, so I got the book coming up. I'm, you know, doing the podcast when I can. Um, and we haven't traveled since Hawaii, which was over a month ago. And I've already sung the praises for Hawaii uh, on the podcast, the previous podcast. Uh, now, one thing I did want to say about Hawaii that I don't know, I, you know, shit, I can't remember. I can't remember if I said this on the previous one. I probably did, but I've been paying a lot of attention to Hawaii. I n- never had a keen interest in Hawaii. I just thought it was just another another pretty face. Uh, but it is. It's it's a breathtakingly gorgeous, unforgettable place. But I've learned about the history of of Hawaii, how the United States acquired it. I mean, I had an idea, like I wasn't totally ignorant. Uh, but you know, of course, going there and and reading about the history, uh, it's it's maddening to know that the native people have been so adversely affected by essentially American colonialism. Um, even to this day, they they they're affected. Uh, adversely and the the quality of life for native people on the island it's not good it ain't good and it has everything to do with the way the US acquired it so to put it to put it like simply it's super expensive to live in Hawaii right it's cuz it's an island and there's a lot going on on the island a lot of that are totally sort of within the interest of the colonizing party, which is the United States. And it's creating an environment where it's difficult for people to live. Like they cannot afford to live. They are priced out of these homes. So there's no place. So imagine it like you're a person who has roots, native roots to this island your ancestors came there 1500 years ago and within the past, you know, 200 years or so, the United States has come in, decided that they wanted it. My understanding is they pretty much took the islands from the native people at gunpoint, like held a gun to the person, to the the king or queen uh, of Hawaii at that time, held a gun to their head and pretty much made them sign over Hawaii to them. So the other part is, yes, tourism is how they make their money. But there there comes a question is like, well, who the natives are making money off the tourism? Who's making the money off the tourism and the way that tourists treat the island and the way that tourists think about coming to Hawaii? Right. You know, they just sort of frame it in kind of this. BS, 
love Eat, Pray. Y'all remember the movie? It was a pretty bad movie with Julia Roberts. But a lot of these like spiritual journey themed movies where the really rich and privileged person is having like this first world problem crisis and then they go to uh, in many instances like a third world country to find themselves right and these places uh, can get sort of reduced just to that just to this place where wealthy westerners come to like you know do their spirituality thing um so that's reductive in a way right because it's more than just someone's space for some like bougie healing um but yeah so there are a lot of things to discuss as it pertains to Hawaii that I feel like that are important and if I feel like we're going to be traveling we need to be socially conscious people and I know people don't like the word woke we need to be woke we need to be we need to try to be woke you need to do some research about the spaces that you're entering so that you don't engage in behavior that is furthering the detriment to the people that live there that's making it bad for the people that are living there so you know and in many instances you know the thing that comes to mind is the way that airbnb is pricing people out of their neighborhoods and a lot of like tourist places and how airbnb is actually a problem but you don't think it's a problem you think you're supporting the economy and you know you're only there for two weeks or so and but you know i think we have to think a little more critically and we have to be willing to read and research and pay attention to these type of things. So this isn't me telling people not to travel or, you know, trying to rain on people's parades or anything like I'm not trying to, you know, steal Christmas. But it's important that we need to care about these things. We got to care about these things uh, when we're traveling because we want to be responsible travelers. I think everybody wants to be aspire to be that i can't imagine that somebody wouldn't but but i know it's easy to not think about it it's easy to like not care about it you know and you just kind of think about yourself you're not thinking about you know the aggregation of people that come to these places and are in fact harmful for the people that live there so now uh that's all i gotta say about any of that but let's get into costa rica let's get into guanacaste so guanacaste is a region so it's not a state they don't really have states in costa rica costa rica is a small country um but it has a like a crazily disproportionate amount of the world's biodiversity so we're talking about you know plants and fauna and rainforest and you know, insects and animals and that type of thing. So I think it occupies less than like 1% of of the space on the planet, but contributes like 5% to the biodiversity. So that's, that's the, if there's a brand for Costa Rica, it would have to be the biodiversity. That's the real big draw. Um, now, I've been to Costa Rica twice, 
And and it's funny because I just <laughs> talked about the love, eat and pray thing. And I guess to a certain degree, my second trip to Costa Rica was this. I was there to do some spiritual work, um, albeit in, in a responsible way. Um, but my mom. So what, what I, I, I was there because I needed to get a break. <clears throat> from life. Uh, this was February of 2016. My mom passed away in November 2015. Uh, some of you know this or may remember me sharing this previously, uh, but she, she passed away at that time. And for anyone who's ever lost a parent, it's an overwhelming experience. It's an emotionally overwhelming experience thing to have to, to, to go with. And, you know, many of us will cross that bridge. Some of us haven't, and some of you will. Uh, and you know, it's, it's, it's awful. So anyway, mom passes away. And after she passed away, I officially became the, the primary caretaker for my dad, which it was a 24 seven type of job. He needed support because he was no longer able to manage his daily activities. So he was dependent on other people to help him. So, you know, it's one thing to sort of grieve and go through all that, but it's, it's this other layer of, of complexity in your life to take on that role. And then he was sad, right? He lost his wife of, of over 40 years. Um, so we were both, it was good that we had each other in a lot of ways, but it was also challenging for me because, you know, there's, there's a correlation between your mental health and your physical health. And since he was grieving and he was grappling with losing his wife, and then he already had these health issues you know, there was this possibility that his his mental health could be exacerbating his physical health, right? You know, that happens sometimes. So I decided that I needed to prioritize my my mental health, my physical health. So I started, you know, going to the doctor a lot, uh, making sure that my health was tip top and exercising and trying to eat, you know, trying, that's a struggle for me. If you know me trying to eat clean, trying to eat as healthy as possible. And then also I did the psychological work. I wouldn't got help. I wouldn't saw a therapist for a, a long time. And I really benefited from that experience. And I encourage anyone who's dealing with any problem that they're encountering in life to to go and talk to somebody, you know, get some help. It's okay. I know there's a stigma attached to going to a psychologist or psychotherapist, but no, I it's you know, God created <laughs> therapists, right? You know, there's you can pray about it and then you can go get help at the same time. It's okay. 
You know, they're not mutually exclusive. You can do both. So anyway, I I decided that I would I needed to get out of Atlanta. You know, that's also a solution to dealing with your problems, running away from them for a little while, getting away from it, being able to breathe the air someplace else. Uh, But, you know, I have to admit, and that's, I think, why travel can be so central to a lot of our lives is that, you know, getting away from your problems is is sometimes the best way to figure out how to deal with them. If I can get away from some bullshit, if I can get away from some bullshit and go someplace and sort of regroup and recharge and, you know, then I'm I'm ready. Right. I'm ready to deal with the problem. I, I've got the energy and uh, the strength and I've I've worked the problem out in my head and, and I'm ready to to do something about it. And I think a lot of people will, will agree with me. Um, so, yeah, but I, I wanted to to try to process everything that had happened in that year. And I wanted to have a space where I was alone with my thoughts and emotions and not distracted, um, not interrupted. So I, I chose to go to Guanacaste. So now to fly. So you can fly into two places. So there's San Jose, which I've flown into San Jose before, which is on another part of the country. And then Liberia. Some of you might say Liberia. Liberia is in the Guanacaste region, which is on the Pacific side of the country. So if you look at a map, you'll see that the Pacific is on the west side of of the country. And then the Gulf of Mexico is on the east side of the country. And then there's a it's it's like a isthmus, you know, shout out to geography class. So there's like a skinny part of the border <clears throat> that connects to Panama, uh, which sort of makes up the south. So for, for, for the most part, the south is either if you're south on the southwest part of the country is going to be on the Pacific. And if you're on the southeast side, it's going to be on the Gulf of Mexico. And then, you know, the north border is uh, Nicaragua. So I chose to go there. Actually, it wasn't going to be a solo trip, but I do want to say something about solo trips. Take your solo trips, people. Don't wait around for people to go on trips. If you need to get out of town, if there's a place that you want to go and you're having trouble finding people to go with you, leave them. <laughs> Book your trip and go. And some people think it thinks that it takes a tremendous amount of confidence to do that type of thing. And I, I disagree. Um you just need to tell yourself that give yourself permission to enjoy something by yourself. And and what's so dope about solo travel, which I felt was really complimentary to the thing I was trying to accomplish on this trip, is that you can do everything on your own terms. I mean, that's sweet. 
right? That's sweet. You can do whatever you want, whenever you want, how you want to do it. You can do this excursion, cancel that excursion if you didn't want to go, go to this restaurant. You know, the, 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 the logistical coordinating that is involved in these group trips. I've seen a lot of these group trips where they're like 20 people on a trip. No, sir, I am not interested. Don't invite me on your trip with 25 people. I've, I've done a couple of group trips in my lifetime and I prefer not to, but that's, that's not my thing. Um, but if that works for you, cool. But I do encourage you to try a solo trip. I think you could get a lot out of doing a solo trip for the reasons that I mentioned. I mean, you're just doing your own thing. You're not worried about other people. Uh, there's a freedom involved. In, in So there's already like a freedom. So let's let's unpack it, right? So there's the freedom involved in going away to vacation, getting out of town, having an adventure. There's some sort of freedom. But there's also this additional layer of freedom when you're by yourself because you can do whatever you want. You can stay at the hotel that you want to stay in. You can sleep in as long as you want. And I think that is is critical to enhancing your own self-care on these trips. So that's what I did. So I ended up going by myself. I couldn't find anybody to go. Uh, I asked my brothers. They weren't available. I had another friend. They weren't available to go. So I, you know, I was a little bit disappointed that I couldn't find anyone. But, you know, the more that I I started to think about it, the better it sounded. I was like, oh, I'm going to do this by myself and it's going to be dope. So I chose a hotel. I stayed at the, and, you know, I'm trying to, make you or I'm trying to convince you that this wasn't one of those like bougie eat love and pray things but uh, I did stay at the JW Marriott which is a high-end hotel Um, I'm not gonna lie and and I think I'm a little I'm too old y'all to be staying in like a, a hostel or some sort of cheap accommodation that's I don't think I should have to do that <laughs> uh, at this at this stage in my life. But the JW, it's a resort which is on the property of like this compound. So there was like a community that you entered to get to the hotel and the hotel is part of this community. And someone said that Kobe Bryant's family had property there. I know Scott Disick from the Kardashians had gone to rehab at the facility that was on the the uh, compound so it was very safe it was very safe now it was remote so the ride from liberia to t- these to tamarindo which was like the nearest big city but to all of these sort of guanacaste locales on the water is about an hour and i uh sprung for a private shuttle which I think it was a great idea because <laughs> I, I, I don't know how people were able to get. I don't think it would have been another option to get to your hotel. I did see maybe a shuttle or two and there was a city bus. And I don't know if I would have been able to take that. But yeah, so it was nice. I'd set up a ride, went through customs. Uh, Liberia is a pretty simple airport. Kind of no frillish, uh, no AC. Fun fact, no AC in the airport. Anyway, so you you come out of the airport and it's like pandemonium. There are drivers and 
cab drivers that are looking to pick people. Oh, that's an option. You could take a cab, which I know is probably expensive. But yeah, so there are tons of of, of service folks out there, uh, drivers who are there to pick people up or to find someone to pick up. So my guy happened to be in the front. He picks me up. He had a sign up and he was a great guy. We had a great conversation. You know, I do have a degree in Spanish so I can, you know, hablo espanol. So we had a wonderful conversation about politics and the politics there in Costa Rica, the politics, this comparative discussion, if you will, about politics in our respective countries. And I remember when we were driving and this just tells you about uh, Costa Rica is that there was a dead horse in the street. (laughs) And then when I came back, there was a dead horse in the street. So no one had bothered to remove an entire horse from from this main street. It's like the main thoroughfare between Liberia and where my uh, hotel was. So that just kind of gives you an idea of, of how quickly things move. So it's a slow pace. It's it's pretty much a rural country. Nothing but really small towns, right? And some of the some of the areas look more hard scrabble than other areas. Not a lot of development going on. And that's the appeal, right? You know, there's not a bunch of Starbucks and uh, luxury rentals every place. Um, it, it feels like you're in a country that things are still pristine and untouched, which is refreshing. So you're driving through these little towns, these these pueblacitas, and you're seeing the kids in their uniforms getting out of school, walking home. You see the mom hanging laundry, you know, the outside, the the laundry. Uh, I'm having a brain fart here. But, you know, when you dry your stuff outside and you put it on the the drying rack. I don't know if that's the right word. I cannot think of the word, but you can see them out there doing the laundry <clears throat> there. They, they have like these corner store slash like restaurants called sodas you see people chilling at the soda so you get uh, a sense of the flavor of these towns and there are tons of these little towns Uh, and i think we stopped actually and got something at one of the stores on the way and now now there are resorts all up and through but you just don't see them from the road right the these resorts and we're talking super high-end resorts there's a I hear there's a Four Seasons in Guanacaste that is pretty much like everything that a vacation dream is made of. And it's right there in that area. But you don't see any of that, which is which I think is nice. So everything's kind of tucked away. And, and you know, I couldn't imagine driving any of that, especially at night. So the roads aren't the best. It's just let you know uh, the roads aren't the best. Uh, the infrastructure is isn't isn't great. Um, in that area but that's what it is and you know that's when you leave your country when you leave your very privileged country just make sure that you leave your expectations for uh, these places back in America because in many instances it's not going to be the same so anyway we arrived for an hour and we get to the property and the property's great. It's huge. Now, the thing about these resorts is that there are no rest. So there's no run into Walmart kind of thing 
right, that we do when we go on vacation. Uh, there's a city, Tamarindo. I'm sure there's stores and grocery stores and that type of thing. But, you know, I didn't really leave the, the hotel. And <clears throat> um, I'm saying all that. Ooh, I got like nine minutes. Dang. Okay. I got to make this quick. So, yeah, you have to eat all your meals on the property. So if you're going to stay at any of these properties, these seaside properties in Guanacaste, you know, bring your snacks with you or find a way to get to a grocery store if that's what you have to do, uh, especially if you're doing an Airbnb. But for me, I didn't I didn't really have time for that. So I ate all my meals at the resort, which you're paying a premium for the convenience. Uh, and and it's, it's a hotel, right? They got to make their money. And part of my self-care was to make sure I had three meals. I had three glorious meals every day. Um, I, I rested. I did not turn on the TV one time. I minimized social media. I made sure I used it to make sure that people knew that I was alive um, every day. So I would post something. And some of my best posts actually were during that time I was in Costa Rica. Um, I do recall having breakfast on my balcony the first day and a bird like some sort of tropical bird crashed right onto my meal, just literally onto my meal. Um, and I didn't freak out. I did take cover. But after I realized what was happening, uh, I laughed a lot. But I had an ocean front room. Now, the beach there isn't great. The beach at the JW isn't great. And I think that might be the case for a lot of the hotels in that area. Now, my wife has actually stayed in the hotel in that area and she said her beach was fine. Uh, so we kind of have a little bit of rivalry about, you know, whose hotel was better. But it sounds like her hotel, which the Andas Papagayo, uh, it sounds like they had they had it going on when it came to beach. But that's not the case at the JW. And it might be not be the case at other places. But they did have we did have access to the beach club for the the compound that I spoke about and it was fine right they, they, they it was a nice beach club with a bar and a restaurant and and I did experience a little bit of diet racism when I was there but I talked about that before I'm not going to talk about it this time but you know of course that didn't ruin my day didn't ring on my parade I you know paraded myself right on down to the beach ordered me some food and kicked back because racism wasn't going to win that day. <laughs> so, yeah, so you have that option. Um, I did walk to a restaurant one day. Someone told me that I could walk. Bad idea. I should have got a taxi. So I walked on the beach and, and the sand. Let me tell you, I had on some Crocs and those aren't the best for like endurance walking. Right. Like when you're doing some serious walking and then I took the Crocs off only to discover that. <laughs> the sand was scalding so you know i didn't want to have like third degree burns on my feet so i put the i had to put the crocs on real quick and i was like mate are the crocs gonna melt because it's so hot so yeah anyway i walked probably for a mile but it was worth it because i got to lola's if you're ever there go to lola's it's a seaside sort of like tiki torch surfer kind of hangout so there were a lot of surfers that liked that part of the beach and they were, you know, they were definitely in the house. There are lots of families there. There's a lot of good music there. And there's a pig named Lola that lives there who gets up a couple times a day. And I think she goes to the beach. I didn't see it, but they said she goes inside of the water and she comes back. 
she was asleep the whole three hours I was there. But she's this huge pig. And I just wonder how old she is and how much longer she's going to live. I didn't know that pigs had like high life expectancies. But anyway, uh, Lola is there. So she has this place named after her. Great bar food, you know, pizza, wings, chicken fingers, quesadillas, salads, that type of thing. But I think their specialty is, is the drinks. So you can get some really good drinks there. I loved it. It's my type of vibe. I would go back, uh, except I would get a ride. I wouldn't walk again. That walk was brutal. And I went to find a guy that told me that I could walk there. And the walk was kind of scary because there wasn't anybody on the beach and it felt very apocalyptic. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, a couple other things that I wanted to say. Oh, there are lots of monkeys that were living in the trees near the hotel it was essentially in a rainforest so you had to be very careful about leaving doors open and that type of thing but i I saw lots of monkeys which was really cool i got a big kick out of that uh but you know again i was communing with nature i was you know there are health benefits emotional benefits to being in these kind of spaces that's why people go hike that's why people go camp i was like okay i get it i'm unlocking some of the mysteries to life and i was wondering why people do things particularly like why white people do things and i get it i get it that's why people go hike it's relaxing it's about being in the environment it's about the tranquility that it offers it's it's about all of that it's all about promoting good health and that's why people go to those places so I figured it out in case you were wondering. That's that's what it's that's what this is all about. So I did. Oh, so I did a hike. I did a hike at Sensorio. Look it up. Sensorio is 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 gorgeous. It's a gorgeous hike. Now, it's a slightly uh, advanced one. <laughs> they didn't tell me that. But you when I went back and read about it later, they were saying that, you know, this is an advanced hike. So you need to be in decent shape. If you're not in good shape, Sensorio is not for you. But Sensorio is owned by the country. They only let so many people in the space per day. Um, it had opened up for the first time, like maybe a couple of weeks before I was there. Um, the ride there was very, very bumpy, just so you know. <laughs> it was so bumpy that my Apple Watch thought I was working out. And by the time I got there, I looked at my watch and I had like trophies and it was like cheering me on and telling me how, you know, awesome I had done that day. But it was only because the road was so bumpy and it thought, okay, you have to be working out. Um, There's nothing else that you could possibly be doing (laughs) other than working out. And that's what it was detecting. So Sensorio, please, if you're going there, consider doing Sensorio. Uh, the other cool thing that happened is I reunited with some classmates from my high school, Matt and Kelly. Uh, I don't know if you guys are listening, but I, I had a great time. It really meant a lot to me to be able to hang out with them. We attended high school together. Matt, I believe, was a year younger than us, older than us. I'm sorry. Ahead of us. That's what I meant to say. And then Kelly was in my grade, but they, they're married. They live in Denver. They own property in Costa Rica, and we happened to be there at the same time. We figured that out on Facebook. They came to my property. We had a really great dinner, had a really stimulating, nice conversation, and it was cool. I just, I I was really happy to see them, and I I actually make it a practice now to reach out to people uh, that I went to high school with. Um, 
that live in places that I visit to try to see them. So, um, and that's, you know, I guess I'm just extroverted that way. I know some people are like, oh, I wouldn't do, you know, why I'm not interested, but no, I, I like it. I like to connect with folks. So yeah, <clears throat> I'm at 59 minutes and 30 seconds. I think I talked about everything that I wanted to talk about. Um, my mouth's dry and I'm trying not to drink water on these because you can hear it and it sounds awkward. But anyway, thanks for checking me out. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.